When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. But I'll tell you what, the very last, very last book I, I read, PJ, is a book by Sandy Barker called One Summer in Santorini. This oh. is when you're when you're done reading Virgil, you're done reading more Jane Austen, and you just want a nice, lighthearted beach read, something nice, a nice romance. Uh, One Summer in Santorini hit the spot. Nice. Um, Sandy Barker did her own travels to Greece, and she wrote this. It's about a girl, Sarah, who goes that. on a cruise, uh, or, or goes on a, on, a, on a boat, not really a cruise. She goes on a boat trip with a bunch of other people. She's just had it out of her relationship. She wants to go do something fun. She's definitely not looking for love. She meets a silver fox called James. She says, well, that's fine. We'll not see him again. She meets a young American called Josh. It's a lot of will they, won't they? And then, of course, James shows up and then she's got to make a choice. Um, it's it's perfect. It's simple. I read it in two days and it, it hit the spot. Nice. Awesome. Ah, but hold on, PJ. I think I hear the telephone ringing. Oh, who's this? Hey, you're through to Books Boys. You've got Dean on the line. Who's calling? Hi, this is Sandy Barker. I'm calling from Melbourne, Australia. Hi, Sandy. You know, it's a, it's a good coincidence you've called in because we were literally just talking about your book that I just read, uh, One Summer in Santorini. Um, so that oh. was well-timed. Well, you know, I have a sixth sense about these things. <laughs> Are you? Um, yeah, we're good. We're, um, you know, we're coming into spring now, so we've got that to look forward to. Um, but yeah, I'm, I was really excited to, um, see on social media that you were reading my book. I was indeed. Yes. I had it on, uh, on Instagram. So this was, is this your first one? Yes, actually it's my first one. And you know, this, this phone call is very timely actually, because I just finished yesterday writing my I think it's my seventh book which is actually the fifth one in this series so Santorini is actually the start of a five book series um, and books four and five are coming out next year so yeah it's um it's my very first book with one more chapter um and I you know I it, I just can't believe that it was only a couple of years ago that it was published and now here we are I've just had my fifth book out with them and um you know I'm writing book seven so it's all happening it's all trundling along very well that's a very high um high rate I mean because this book's only been out a couple of years as you say um are you typically writing more than one per year then uh, I am. Uh, when I got the publishing contract with one more chapter, I already had three books finished. Um, so they took them on, you know, they're like, we'll publish those. So that was Santorini, That Night in Paris and A Sunset in Sydney. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of already ahead of the writing schedule. Um, and then um, in 2019, I pitched to them The Christmas Swap, which was my fourth book, and that came out last year. And then mid last year, I pitched to them The Dating Game, which is the book that's just come out a few weeks ago. Um, so I, 
I do work, so I do have a day job as well um, and only work four days a week at the moment, but I do tend to write pretty quickly. Um, it's taken me, I'm, the last book that I've just finished is called A Wedding in Tuscany, um, so no spoilers, but there, um, there are two sisters in the series, Sarah, who was in One Summer in Santorini, and her sister Kat, um, and one of the sisters is getting married, and I started writing that book probably back in I want to say May and so it's about four months part-time writing yep wow so because yeah you're you're you're, you know you're getting through these quickly but you're working as well so that's that's very impressive well thank you it is I you know people are like how do you do it and I I fire back with how do you have children and a career you know like I we my partner and I we don't have children so um I know that that does free up kind of a lot of time and mental space and emotional space um from other writers um and you know I know a lot of writers who are school teachers and I used to be a school teacher and I know that they don't you know they're not nine to five they don't work their 40 hours a week and call it good they're working 60 hour weeks Mm -hmm. and they are writing books so I never complain if I feel like it's a bit much or intense you know I do my four days I don't bring work home and um, I can fit the writing in around that but you know living in Melbourne we're actually we have the dubious honor of being the city that has been in lockdown for the longest in the entire world wow Um, yes so we've had nine months literally nine months in the last 18 months of lockdown and that's you're not allowed to go, you know, X amount of kilometres from your home. You're not allowed to have visitors. You're not allowed to leave the home except for these five reasons, like full lockdown. Well, so you're um, in full now, lockdown still? Wow. We are still in full lockdown. We've got another month to go. But, you know, the silver lining to that <laughs> is it really does free up a lot of time for writing because there's not much else to do. There's only so much Netflix you can write. Oh, this, is, this is true. This is true. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I didn't I didn't realize that anywhere was still in like, you know, full lockdown. I thought everyone was doing a kind of partial, maybe there's some restrictions. That's that's quite intense to still be in full lockdown. It is, it is. Um, and we've kind of gone into it and come out and gone into it and come out. And so this last stint was supposed to be like three days, and it's been two and a half months now, and we've got another month to go. <laughs> but look, you know, I think it's um for it, it's really highlighted how much the writing is an escape, not just for my readers, because I write travel fiction. It's also an escape for me. Um, when I was writing Tuscany, I went back to all my photographs of the last time I was there and I was reading kind of my travel blogs and lots of desktop research and watching movies set in Tuscany. And it's it's nice and immersive for mm-hmm. me. It's kind of my armchair travel is writing these books. So, um, I, you know, I have, as I said, it's a silver lining and, I think as well, one of the things that's really been highlighted to me in the last year and a half is how wonderful the writing community is. I mean, we, we're just so supportive of each other. And it's particularly when you're a romance author. I mean, we are genuinely just all cheering each other on. It's like, you go girl, you go guy. And, um, you know, I've had people host me on their blogs. I host authors on my blogs. We're interacting on social media all the time. Um, So it's kind of my online happy space, you know, that I can retreat to mentally, um, even though we're confined to the same, you know, six rooms in our apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think both of those have been really, really helpful in kind of keeping 
keeping my wits and keeping positive about the, you know, the global situation. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's good that, you know, you're right. One, one positive aspect of it is that we can, we have time to work on projects and, and writing and things like that. You know, I did a tremendous amount of art during the lockdown over here. So um, yeah. I understand where you're coming from, you know? So I was yeah. going to display my knowledge and be impressive and say, well, I've only Ooh. read one summer in Santorini, but I'm aware that we've got one in Paris and Sydney, but you've, you've beat me to that. So now, now it sounds <laughs> like I didn't know at all. <laughs> no, you did. You absolutely did. I know you did. I know you do your research on this, on this podcast. <laughs> so we've um, got, then we've got Tuscany and, and what's coming next? Uh, so the next book in the series, book four, is called, uh, well, it's set in Bali. Um, we're just kind of finalising the title at the moment, but it's, a, it's a, a supporting character from that night in Paris called Jay Lee, and she goes on sabbatical to Bali and meets, um, she meets a hot Scot. So um, it's set in both Bali and in Edinburgh. And, um, yeah, that was, I, I wrote that because, um in 2018, my partner and I went on sabbatical. We um, packed up and, and traveled for about 13 months and lived, you know, we moved to places and would live there. So we lived in Bali for two months and it was our, you know, part of our sabbatical. And, you know, we lived in this wonderful um, community for digital nomads and it really inspired this book. I wanted to send a character there and I was just kind of thinking which of my characters, you know, in all of the books, not just the main characters, which of my characters can I send to Bali? So I sent Jay Lee there. Uh, and so that's coming in February next year. And then in A Wedding in Tuscany, we kind of pull everybody together. So the two sisters, um, Kat and Sarah, um, and their supporting cast of characters from all the other books kind of converge on Tuscany for a wedding. But I'm not, I'm, as I think I said, I'm not revealing which sister is getting married. Um, yeah, so that I'm working on that. And um, then once I've kind of got those ready to go, um, I'm going to start on a follow up to the Christmas swap. So when I started writing the Christmas swap, um, when did I start writing that? A couple of, well, a year and a half ago now. I didn't, I wrote it as a standalone. I didn't know it was going to have a follow-up, but there were a lot of cries um, when readers got their hands on it of what happens next, you know, um, what, you know, what's going to happen with all of these women and it's about three best friends who live, one lives in Melbourne, one lives in Colorado and one lives in um, London and they decide to swap Christmases for the the holidays. And, you know, I write rom-coms. So of course they all meet a love interest and, now I'm going to be writing the follow-up to that. So yeah, there's there's always something in the pipeline. I don't think there's any rest for um for wicked authors. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you've no intention of resting, to be honest. Yeah, I think I mean I love I absolutely love writing and and the aim is to become a full-time author. Yeah. So uh, it's looking like, um, you know, my, my contract, I work with Pearson, I work in adult education, um, which I love. I actually really love my, I call it my day job, inverted commas, but, you know, it's not, it's not a grind. It's not something I hate to go to. I really love my work. And, I, you know, my boss, I've, I've been very transparent with my boss, even going down from five days a week to four days a week is about the writing. It's just freeing up every Friday to just dedicate you know, sit down at my desk and sure. do writing, editing. So, um, you know, I've been really frank about it and they're like, 
cheering me on and your publication day yay go you and which is really nice and I'm looking at probably by the end of next year I will be able to step away from um, other work and just focus on writing which is the dream it's the dream so of course I'm going to work my work my little bum off until I get to that point and then beyond that point so yeah there's always something in the pipeline Nice. No, that's that's good. And it's nice to hear that we do catch up with Sarah again, because I was obviously yeah. curious about, about you know, where it's where it's going to go. Um, yeah. Do, do yeah. you get so, people? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I I think, you know, that for anyone who hasn't read Santorini yet, it is it does leave lots of questions at the end of the book. Um, were you going to ask about that? Sorry. Uh, no, I was just, just going to say, do people typically tell you whether they wanted her to end up with, you know, with, with Josh or, or James to have an opinion on, on which guy she should have ended up with? Oh, for sure. Yes, for sure. For sure. And, you know, when I wrote that, um, I kind of always knew I would continue her story and her story continues directly in A Sunset in Sydney. Like it picks up you know, a few hours mm-hmm. after the first book finishes. Um, and when I was writing that book, I knew I wanted to write the book. I knew I wanted to kind of see out who she ended up with. But at at the, at you know, as I was writing that book, I just kept flip-flopping myself. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> she, she's with James. And I'm like, oh, she's got to end up with James because he's just so gorgeous and lovely. And oh, she's with Josh. Oh no, she's got to end up with Josh. And I kept going back and forth, and it really wasn't. And I swear this is no lie because I am a total pantser when it comes to my writing. I didn't know who she was going to end up with until the last 20 pages of a 400 page book. So I have heard, yes, I have heard from readers like you kept me in suspense. I had no idea what was going to happen. You know, was she going to end up with this one, this one, or by herself? Because that was always an option. That's always on the cards. So yeah, it's um, and then of course there's the whole team Josh or team James, you know, is it the young American guy Josh or the silver fox, mm-hmm. um, um, James? And I have to say, I don't know if you know this about me, but um, the book is is inspired by my real life love story. So um, my partner and I we've just celebrated 15 years together, and I met him on a pier in Santorini, right as we were about to go on a sailing trip. So I started writing the book as a love letter to him. You know, I kind of wanted to almost document like what that was like to fall in love on a sailing trip in the Greek islands. He was, Mm -hmm. he's an American boy. I was a girl from Sydney. Um, He was much younger than me. Like, so there was a lot of truth in the first parts of the book. Um, But I realized pretty quickly as I was writing it, that it's, it's not a travel memoir, Sandy. So, you know, you're fictionalizing this, what's going to amp up the, the stakes here um, and I introduced the silver fox and people have asked me, was there a silver fox in real life? There was not. There was just the cute American boy. Mm. And as I said, we've been together now 15 years. But, um, yeah, it was it was really fun to write the, that because there's a lot of truth in it. There's, you know, I've been to all those places. I've had a, those those travel experiences, which is for quite a lot of my books. I bring in my own travel experiences. Um, but I really got I had the chance to play as an author, bringing in the silver fox and creating the love triangle was a lot of fun. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew that you'd done traveling, so I knew there was a realistic element to it, but I didn't realize that you'd actually met your partner and, and that, you know, that, that much of it was, was kind of true. So that was, that's really, really, really cool to know, but yeah, you did invent the silver fox. <laughs> yes, totally, totally, totally invented him. And, you know, we, we actually went back to Greece um, in, uh, at our 10 year anniversary, we met up with the same skipper. Wow. True story. I know. Um, he's Duncan, called Patrick right? in real in real <laughs> life. He's called Patrick, and he's a Kiwi. He's not. Um, he's not Duncan from Queensland. But um, we met up with the same skipper and did a, another sailing trip around the Cyclades Islands with him, and had a few nights in Santorini together. Because even though Ben and I met in Santorini, we met, got on a boat, and left. <laughs> So we actually hadn't spent time in Santorini together, but we did that for our 10th anniversary. And yeah, we're really, um, we, we adore Patrick, our skipper, and he did, um, for those who have read the book or about to read the book, um, he did have his girlfriend on the first trip and they're married now and have two kids. And like, it's just, you know, there's, there's a lot of truth in that. Um, so I did borrow heavily from our floating family. Um, a lot of those characters are inspired by real people. And um, it's, it's just, you know, I, I've been really, I've been really, um, I've been really cheeky actually as an author, because I often will, kind of beg and borrow and steal from people, real people that we know and kind of, you know, traits from different people and smoosh them together in the Bali book. Um, there's a lovely supporting character who's kind of an, an amalgam of two women who we met when we lived in Bali. Um, so it's in my homage to those beautiful friends. One's from, you know, one's in lives in Amsterdam, one lives in Chicago, and they're just kind of, they're very similar women, very smart and, you know, very loving and generous. And so I just kind of mushed them together and created this character. But I've certainly been known to do that a few times. Mm-hmm. And was the uh, was Patricia based on on uh, you know the, the the character that kind of doesn't really get on with anyone <laughs> and ends up getting kicked out? You know, was she? Was well, that we based did. Some real experience? Yeah, we did. We did have somebody. We did have somebody um, a similar situation, and I thought that that was. Um, we found that it was quite a bonding exercise. Really, was that there was somebody who just didn't want to be on the trip, and yes. um, you know, once that person left the trip everybody seemed to relax and everybody we all just got along like it was I mean the, mm-hmm. the, that first trip was probably one of the most magical 10 days of my life um, and not only did I meet my partner but you know I made lifelong friends and we just it was it was everything the core theme of the book which is her kind of just reconnecting with herself that was what that trip was like for me and I really wanted to capture that in a book because I myself was a little lost before I went on that trip and I you know had sworn off men I didn't want to meet anyone I kept telling my partner go away (laughs) (laughs) so there's a lot of truth there's a lot of emotional truth in that and I think of all my books that's probably the truest um emotionally for me like it's most reflective of me um whereas the others I kind of um, spring from my imagination um and you know my empathy with other people okay but that's good um you you pulled a bit of a Chekhov's gun because I you know we we have James at the beginning but I'd kind of forgotten about him and I was just rooting to see is she going to get with Josh and then when James reappears I you said okay that that makes sense there's a reason that he you know he was in the story earlier randomly that makes sense now but I didn't see it coming you know 
Oh, that's fine. That's fun. Actually, because when I was on Santorini before I got on the trip, I did actually have a similar exchange with an older gentleman who was very attractive. I never saw him again, but I thought it was really fun to kind of play with that character. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like to I like to put my characters into situations that just, you know, just just explode everything and just combobulate them. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's I'm a I'm a diehard romantic, so I'm always rooting for for, for romance in any book, you know, even if it's not a romance, Aww. I'm always trying to find where are we going to, you know, who's going to fall in love. I need, I need, to, need to find yeah. that somewhere. So it's nice that yeah. it's nice to just read a, a pure romance and you're rooting all the way, you know. Yeah, Look, oh, for sure, for sure. I'm going to pop a link. Your website is just your name, so it's sandybarker.com, but I'll pop a link yeah. on the show notes as well and people can read about you. And uh, obviously your books are on Amazon and things like that. Um, yeah. Would you always ask every author one question? So I'll ask you before you go, if there was any book that you could have written, any, any uh, historical book, you know, any famous book, what would it have been? Well, I, um, yeah, I know that you asked this question. So I did actually have a think about this. And this isn't, you know, like a, this isn't kind of like one of the classics or anything, but I love, I absolutely love Diana Gabaldon's Outlander series. Um, and I mean, I know that the TV show is known for its kind of sexy love interests and um, steamy, steamy romance, but it's, there's such beautifully written books, like the, mm-hmm. the history and the research she does, her, her prose is unbelievable. And this epic love story that transcends, you know, nine books and two centuries. And I, I mean, she's just unbelievable. And she's such a world builder. So I would say her, like I would, in my entire writing career, if I ever wrote a tenth as good as she does, I will be happy. So, yeah, Diana Gabaldon's Outlander, um, wow. starting uh, with the first one. I've never read them, but someone did actually recommend them to me. Must have only been two weeks ago, actually. Someone wow. was recommending them to me. Yes, yeah, so that's the second time I've heard of them in such a short uh, period of time. So I have to look look, look into them now. Uh, unfortunately like like any avid reader i've got about 40 books in my queue you know to get to so it's very (laughs) i'm always afraid of putting more in the queue you know (laughs) i know i know and i get asked by author friends can you you know would you like to do an early read i always say yes every single time because i'm like yes 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 you know and i can read pretty quickly i read i do read pretty quickly but still i feel so guilty because i like take on these new books and then i'm looking at my kindle and and you know if my kindle weighed as much as how many books are on it i couldn't <laughs> pick it up <laughs> Well, yeah. believe it or not, I have a physical queue of books. You know, I have a shelf and they're I in order. It. They're in the order that I want to read oh, them. But I just, I, it takes me a long, you know, even at, even at a book a week, I keep buying more. So the queue never, never goes down. Sitting at 40, maybe it drops to 30, 25, and then I go and buy another 20, you know, so it never stops. It's, it's, a, it's a curse. It's a curse. It's a blessing and a curse of the avid reader. Um, but I feel your pain. I if I think if I had to look at physical representations of my TBR list, I would just cry. I would just crawl, <laughs> crawl under the bed and cry because um, it just feels a little daunting sometimes. So I appreciate. I really admire the fact that you have a bookshelf of them. That's brilliant. Yeah, it can be daunting. I, I feel the pain. Well, Sandy, it was lovely hearing from you. Uh, thank you so much for calling into the show. And as I say, we'll put a link to the website and things in the notes. And have yourself. I was going to say good evening, but it's morning for you so have yourself it is a, morning. a good day thank you so much i really appreciate awesome. it Great thank to you. Talk to you thanks bye bye that's thanks to sandy pj what else have you got for us well dean last of all i said i haven't read that much uh this month but i have been reading i mean still reading 
the Asterix uh, comics. So, the Asterix comics, guys, I, I really like comics now. Dean and I have got some different, you know, we've got, some, we've got our differences here. He we enjoy- did a little, we he, did disagree a little bit. He enjoys his Victorian, you know, rants about descriptions in houses and daughters leaning on dad's knees and crying. <laughs> Enjoys all that. That's that's his comfort, you know. Late in the night, I, I I just you know sometimes I just like to read a good old Franco-Belgian comic. Uh, now, guys, a little bit of history here. Um, comics, right? Got different opinions about it, but in Belgium, just after the Second World War, there was a whole kind of boom of um, of these artists who wanted to create. They were influenced by Disney. But they wanted to create something uniquely theirs. And now what they created was a lot of, they created these comics, uh, the Tintin novel, uh, novels, the Tintin comics, excuse me, the Asterix comics, the uh, uh, the Snurfs comics, and uh, Lukey Luke. Those are four of among the most famous comics. And now, and please excuse me if I mispronounce any of the names. I, I read them all in French. And the thing is, that really confuses me. They seem to translate them onto very strange names in English. So, right. Anyway, but Tintin, Tintin then should have been Tonton, no? Tonton, exactly. <laughs> and Asterix and Obelisk and all that kind of stuff. Now, guys, um, actually, I, I I love them all. I've uh, I, I really love them all. And um, but I'm only getting into Asterix today. Uh, what I love about Asterix and Obelisk is. So there's always something kind of historical about these coming, always some kind of something educational. And this is about uh, people living uh, 50 years, uh, I believe it was, might be getting this wrong, before Christ, or was it after? Around that time period. So before, excuse me, before. So Caesar, all these Roman empires, they were conquering um, Europe and they conquered France Except this one tiny place where Druids, um, sorry, not Druids, where Gauls uh, lived. So basically a tribe from former France. And these guys were unstoppable because they, ha- they have a Druid called uh, Gidafix in uh, English. Although, oh, this is what I mean. He's called Panoramics in French. So it's very confusing. Hey. So completely different. And he gives a portion of um, basically... Uh, omnipotence so you're just basically completely strong you're indestructible and as long as you drink this no one can beat you so it's kind of a, um the, the thing is you can't really beat Asterix and obelisk the only way you can beat them is by stopping and drinking them potions and um in fact uh obelisk actually fell into the potion when he was a baby so he's constantly just super strong and what i love about these uh, comics is that they always go to some kind of different place um I'll talk about the third comic, which was probably my favorite so far, Asterix and the Goths. So they go to which, which is now Germany. And it's basically always kind of a, a culture kind of thing going on. And it's always a story about some kind of Roman emperor. He wants, it kind of, he, want, he wants to mess things up. It's really about colonialism. It's really about colonialism, the whole book. And about like these, these French guys saying F you to the, the Roman emperor. And in this, it was Asterix and the Goths, kind of controversial at the time. It came out in the sixties, and they and they and they were wondering, are you trying to criticize Germany and and the Nazis? All right, a bit of a 
controversy going on there, but really, I, I don't like to think too much about it. It's just a great read, guys. It's really, it's really uh, relaxing. For those of you interested in the comic format, it's got my favorite comic formats. They decided to simply make comics larger. So these are very large books, really large books, instead of just something you can put in pocket. And it makes it visually a lot more attractive. Now, guys, go, go for it. Read these comics for the artwork, for the great story. And honestly, I would never read this in a, in a different language. Uh, or I mean, can't say never. But I, for me, it makes sense to, to read them in, in French. Read it in French if you can. Yeah. Read in French if you can. But I'm serious because... Not I if you cannot, can, though. I, but I can't imagine these these uh, comics uh, being translated into anything else because it's actually so funny uh, in French. But anyway, that that seems geez, that seems very snobbish. All I'm saying it's really great in the original language. It's really funny, and well, I just really find this very relaxing before going to bed. And uh, again, they're great role models. I'm really enjoying books at the moment. Great role models. You know, you know, fa- Victorian fathers forcing their daughters. Uh, you know. You know, I don't know, like to stay indoors because it's raining outside. You know, that, that's not that's not really great robots. You know what I mean? So, but PJ, this is this is something. This is comics, right? So this is like a Batman versus Superman type thing, right? <laughs> I knew you were going to mention that somewhere. Exactly, <laughs> it's a Batman versus Superman kind of thing. So, guys, I think that's okay. that. That's I uh, actually like Tintin, and I was in the Tintin really? store in in Brussels when I was last there. Yeah, it's nice. Ah, I thought you were a big a big kind of. I thought I thought you didn't appreciate the old ninth arts or whatever it is. Well, I'm not, I'm not sitting reading Tintin, but I read a few when I was younger, and, and I like the idea. You know, no. I like the idea of Asterisk and Obelix as well. I, I know what they look like and everything. I, I've seen them. You know, I I, I get yeah. the aesthetic. I think they're fine. <laughs> Things are fine. Yeah. But anyway, guys, <laughs> I, that's Dean Lewis' controversy. Things are fine. I, I'm saying they're a bit more than fine. They're very brilliant. Oh, excuse me, Shemis Kersing. You get, you get, you get nothing but the the most detailed literary criticisms here. I think they're fine. That's the it, it, that's the level of review that I'm giving. <laughs> exactly. So, guys, uh, read it, uh, learn. Now, to be honest, guys, this is also just teaching history. These uh, Franco-Belgian comics they they teach history and geography to kids, especially down the time forties and fifties. They're really actually educational as well, and um, yeah. So I really, I really love, especially, I recommend the third one, uh, Asterisk and the Goths, but all of them are brilliant. There awesome. Go. We're going to take a 90 second break to play an ad from Ooh. two great podcasts and we'll be back with our recommendation. Hello, my name is Brucker Nurse and I want to tell you about my fun horror movie podcast called Autopsy of a Horror Movie. On my show, I like to have fun dissecting out what makes a horror movie scary, what worked for it, what didn't, what types of fears does it play off of. Is it an allegory for any sort of message? I don't know, but let's find out. Also, I like to watch slashers. I'm a big slasher guy, so I'll watch a slasher and do a kill grade for it. I will cover the kills and I will tell you how I would grade it based on shock, method, style points, and a fourth category that is a reflection of the movie. Besides those, I'll have fun with special topic episodes, commentary tracks, interviews with guests, including some Shutter directors, so i just like to have a fun time over here. If any of this sounds interesting to you or you just want to come check me out, please head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere they listen to podcasts and search for Autopsy of a Horror Movie. Also be sure to find me on Instagram at Brucker Horror, where you get fun updates and some cool little posts that I do. Thanks for listening, and I hope that you get to enjoy the show, and I'll see you on Instagram. Bye. Bye. 
Hello, listeners. This is Bob from Bob's Short Story Hour, a podcast that features an eclectic array of short story recitations from both classic and contemporary authors, as well as occasional interviews and discussions about both. You can learn more by visiting us at bobshortstoryhour.com or find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good night. So, PJ, do you, shall I go first or do you want to go? You go first. Okay, my recommendation this I hope I haven't done this one already. My recommendation is The Secret Garden. Oh, I love your story. Do you, know, you knew this book, right? Yeah, I, mean, I think I've only read yeah. an abridged book when I was a kid, so I love to read the original. Mm-hmm. It's great. I, I read it as a, as a child. I, I read the full book. I was like nine or ten years old. It's the first proper novel I really remember reading. Mm, you know, that I still awesome. remember. I still remember liking. Yeah. Um, and it is a children's novel, but it's not a silly children's novel. You know, it's yeah. worth reading. Yeah. Um, and I, I even at ten years old, I kind of made that distinction between okay, I'm, mm-hmm. I've been reading silly books. This is a good book, you know. And there's a there was an old film version. There's a new ver- film version came out a year or so ago there, which I did watch, hmm. uh, and it was all right. But basically, you've got this. The author I should mention the author Francis Hodgson uh, Burnett, mm-hmm. um, and this is um, 1911. Okay, so just before World War One. Now, it's been many years, you know, since I've read this, 20, in fact, um, but it's a, it's a lovely book. It is good for the kids to so get it for your kids. Yeah. This girl goes to, you know, she, her parents, you know, die or whatever. She goes to this relative's house and it's like a big old mansion with a hundred locked rooms and no one's using any of the rooms because his wife's died. So he's miserable and yeah. then just... You know, it, it's a very English, but, you know, everyone's, everyone's miserable in these English books. Um, and she discovers a garden. And, you know, she's going for walks because nothing else to do. They just say, well, amuse yourself all day. Go for a walk. And that's the only available activity, <laughs> you know. So she goes for walks and she finds this walled garden. And it's lovely and it's beautiful. And it's the only place nearby that, that has any life or any beauty. And then she discovers a little boy in the house and he's sick and takes him to the garden and he starts to get better. It's just, it's lovely. It's just a lovely book. Yeah, awesome. so that's my recommendation. Well, okay, that's great. Uh, yeah, I'd love to read the original uh, book. Uh, guys, talking about Franco-Belgian comics, I obviously have to recommend another one. So if I had to pick just one on a desert island, I'd probably pick um, the Lucky Luke series, probably the first one. And the look, uh, if, you, if you don't know, Lucky Luke is um, a cowboy who's basically, yeah, he has it's Lucky Luke and Jolly Jumper, his amazing sort of incredible kind of horse. And now the reason why I think this is possibly, you know, the best comic ever or one of the best comic ever um, series, but I'm going to choose the first one, is that, now I, I, you know, I, I rarely read about a character who's so just, what's the word, uh, easygoing then looking look it is just so relaxing to uh, to just dive into that person's mindset i mean all he does is just basically he's just he just goes with the flow it's just he's just sitting there in the desert just enjoying kind of the the atmosphere you know just riding his horse and it's and it works well in film but i think it also works really well in, in comics the western genre so looky look it's just basically a guy who's is lucky on a horse and all kinds of things happen to him. It kind of things happen to him. He kind of deals with it, but he's, he's incredibly lucky. 
and it's all got the western stereotypes it's, it's the western stories like the western stories are maybe not so original they're very like other western films at the time this was the late 40s but uh, totally enjoyable and you're left with an impression of wow this is you know it's always kind of him at the sunset at the end you know riding his horse this this is kind of a great lifestyle even though it's dangerous as well but you just left it's, it's a very kind of romantic sort of depiction of cowboys and lone rangers and just you know he's alone but he's fine with it as well he's got his horse jolly jumper and, and, and there's a stories are often hilarious and the first one um the the mine um the golden uh what's it called again sorry la mine d'or the dig digger i think it's something like dig diggers gold mine in english and it's just about um you know finding a gold mine or like these people are trying to find gold mine and then looky look it's stopping them and they're absolutely ridiculous these um these gold diggers uh and these bandits that appear and you know the it's got a lot of stereotypes fair enough but it's just it's just so comforting and relaxing and easy for the eye so yeah guys i'm i'm that's it that's my recommendation just a little side note uh morris he got the creator, writer, and illustrator of Luke Luke and got a bit tired oh. of, of writing the comics. And to be honest, in most of the Franco-Belgian comics, there's usually a collaboration from these two people. Right. So, so what happened was he actually started collaborating uh, with René Gossini, who's the writer of Asterix and Obelisk, not the illustrator. So there's a cross point. They often work together. I love that. They're kind of a, a team. They all know they all knew each other. They all helped each other out and supported each other. And they, they made they made this child's medium comic uh, a more a more adult, more serious um format. Just like Disney was Disney was considered also just oh, what are you doing, dealing with, with kids. But I just like the fact that these people, you know, they were geeky perhaps, and they thought, oh, you're not very serious but they just turn it collectively into something higher. They become a higher art. So I, I've got a lot of appreciation. You know, that's why I love Brussels as well, Dean. I mean, you've been there several times, but I really love that they actually, this whole city actually respects that and honors these, uh, these group of maybe 10 or more uh, cartoonists. Right. Well, that does, that does sound quite nice. No, yeah. I really recommend it. So there you go, guys. Okay, awesome. So that's our recommendations. Guys, it's a shorter episode this day. The the Corporation for Shorter Episodes has really been kicking in for us. Yeah. They um, and and we've been we've been learning. But uh, right. don't forget to go to booksboys.com. And you know what else you can do? Go to your Spotify's or your Alexa's, your Amazon's, whatever you listen to music <laughs> on and, and find the Dean and, and PJ Burke and we've got music on there and you can oh, yeah. listen to to that if you like the kind of stuff that we play at the end of uh, of, of some of our our episodes. It's, it's pretty um, funky. This month is my turn, so we're going to take us out with a song I did um, nice. that you won't be able to find online. It's called oh. Since You Left, um, that I did with my friend uh, Craig oh, uh, from, uh, from uh, my, old, uh, my old work. But guys, don't forget, I want to make a big point of plugging the Patreon, because you can get this show early. You can get a Books Boys t-shirt. You can recommend books for us to read. You can get Playboys, Caper Captains, mm. Film Fellows, Forensic Friends, everything. All kinds of stuff. Everything's yes. there. Every every possible alliteration true that you can think <laughs> of is there. <laughs> Any combination. Games, guys, it's there. Poetry Pals, yeah. it's there. Anything you want. Totally, guys. And it's for a cheap price. 
um yeah we'd love to yeah we'd love to share this with you to be honest so just I, because we because we didn't get to do a playboys this month i fill space by doing a two-part special called games guys uh, it's from the vault so these are nine years ago so if you want to hear me and some other people you've never heard of from an old podcast <laughs> that you can't find anymore talk about playstation one video games whilst nice. they might have been drunk and uh, that is definitely that is definitely available as well so that sounds like something that I would like to listen to, actually. <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on there. There's always stuff, you know, Great. and interviews from the vault where I interview a lot of rock stars and musicians and things. So lots of fun stuff. Speaking of music, I went to te- uh, to Burt's and I saw almost a teatro. I went to Burt's and I saw your dad sing uh, this this week, PJ. Nice. And this weekend, I'm going to watch the No Explanation movie. I've got it all queued up from his new. Oh. Uh, his- movie. Nice. Maybe we can share a link as well, guys. It is my dad. He's just released his new film. And uh, no explanation with his own music as well. It's uh, pretty awesome, guys. Have a listen. And if you're ever in Belfast, check him out at Burt's. Uh, Burt's Jazz Bar. It's the place to be at the weekends. He's a suave guy with suave hair. And uh, yeah, just want to let you guys know about that. That's it. You can go to kieranburkonline.com. That's the site where you can find out specifically about no explanation. Thanks. Guys, that's pretty much us done. So I'm going to get the DJ to spin the record since she left. And we'll be back in about a month. Right, guys. See ya. Since you left, I've torn up my heart. I don't know how I'm making you start. I can hardly
Books Boys was presented by The Dean and PJ Burke in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. Ah. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Virgil's Tours of Hell.gov. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trapdoor. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Marx from the album of the same name. All music used is either Podsafe or used with permission. If you'd like to support the show, click on the Amazon or Audible referral links of booksboys.com or go to patreon.com slash booksboys. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Boys and get all of the Bufanda Boys bonus shows. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends and come back next time for another episode of Books Boys. Read some books! Yeah, I'm just so glad. I took it out on Emma. It wasn't Emma's fault. It was Persuasion's fault. It was Pride and Prejudice. The whole lot. I'm just so glad to be done with Jane Austen. Next month, or well.